Hoop 7 proudly brings to you Basketball Hustle, featuring your host, the writer, Chris Pike, and the scoring machine, Sean Redditch. Now it's time for another episode of Hoops Heaven's Basketball Hustle. Hello and welcome to a special bonus episode of Hoops Heaven's Basketball Hustle, and it's stepping back in time, going back to the first two years of the show with my old co-host, the scoring machine, and Great timing as well because he's now about to become immortalised at the Perth Wildcats as we heard a couple of weeks ago with number 42 heading up into the rafters. I'm Chris Pike, but the man that you did tune in to hear from every every week back for the first two years of this show, he gave the show its name, he brought us onto the map, the scoring machine, Sean Redditch. Thanks for joining me. Thanks, Pikey. It's uh, good to be back on the show having a chat and uh, yeah, some big things happened over the last couple of weeks, so excited to dive into it. Yeah, it's been a big couple of weeks for you. It's been a long time coming. And as you would remember, from the very first episode we did, it was our campaign to get that number 42 up into the rafters. And we finally got there. It was a pretty proud moment, I'm sure. We'll talk about it in more detail a bit later. But once you got that news and once <laughs> once Andrew Vlahov pulled the surprise on you, I'm sure, I'm sure it was a pretty humbling moment. Yeah, there was a lot of emotions running through. I was, um, you know... John really had called me to, to see if I could come in and have a chat to the boys, um, which, you know, wasn't out of the ordinary. Mm. The, you know, the team was kind of, they had that FIBA break. They were struggling a little bit. So I thought, you know, maybe the next player is something that we, we would have, you know, during my time there, you'd have some of the, the ex guys come in and, and kind of have a chat about their experience. So, especially, um, yeah, yeah. Vahoff was <laughs> up there, there quite a bit. So, you know, so I, I kind of had a speech ready, you know, that morning I went and coached at uh, my local son's primary school, coached a session, raced home, got changed pretty quick, then headed up, um, and the guys were just finishing up uh, kind of a pre-practice workout. So, uh, you know, they went up into the film room, watched a little uh, scout on their upcoming opponent, Southeast Melbourne Phoenix, um, and then, yeah, John really had me uh, get up there in front of the group, had a little chat. And after that, uh, yeah, Vlahoff was there. So I thought Vlahoff was just going to have a chat as well. Mm. Um, you know, I thought it was going to, you know, I guess maybe, uh, you know, double uh, double team there. But um, he, at that moment, yeah, he, I mean, he, they would have uh, recorded it on social media. Mm. Um, a lot of people would have seen it. But, um, you know, it was pretty emotional to uh, get be told and, um, you know, my family was hiding in the office back. Uh, they didn't want to give the surprise away. So they did a good job keeping mm. it, keeping it under wraps. Um, Sampo too, um, was one of the, the people behind, uh, getting it all set up. He used to be a teammate of mine yeah. at, uh, at Bendigo Braves as well. So he's now the, uh, GM, uh, there as CEO. So it was, uh, yeah, it was, an, it, was it was a proud moment. Um, I was surprised, emotional, um, but, uh, you know, it's, it's kind of hard to describe that, that emotion that comes, comes through. It was something I, I never even thought was possible. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, when I came over here after getting released by the breakers and, you know, I was just, uh, thankful to have a job and, and here you go. And, you know, that was in 2005. So 17, almost 18 years later, um, you know, going to have that 42 up in the, in the Raptors is a, is a pretty proud moment. Every time we talked about it on the show and pretty much every time we had a guest on the show, I would ask them about your number being retired and you were always you always didn't want to get too caught up in the conversation and you didn't want to, I guess, tempt fate by talking too much about it. I mean, 
we talked about it a lot. We all felt like it was just an inevitable thing that would happen eventually. But, I mean, after hearing all of that talk about it, all of the build-up to it, and I, I don't know if you ever really actually thought it would happen. I, th- I think you actually don't know if you ever let yourself think it was possible just because it's such a, a massive honour to be, to be handed. I mean, when, it, when, it, when you knew it was actually happening, I mean, did it take a, take a few seconds to actually sink in? Yeah, it did. Um, I wasn't sure, you know, as soon as Blahoff started to talk, I, I quickly realized that wasn't, uh, he wasn't there to talk to the team. <laughs> he was there to talk to me. Mm. And then you just, yeah, a, a rush of emotion. There's that, that feeling. I mean, you, you know, they just don't do that for very many players. Mm. Um, you know, I think the last player was Ricky Grace back in 2007. So, um, you know, almost 16 years now since they've, they've retired a player and there's been some unbelievable players, you know, and I think it's a big recognition, you know, just for that group that came through. Um, you know, we had a heck of a run there. Um, and there's still some guys there, Jesse and Bryce particularly, but, you know, I think it's an honor for, you know, a lot of the guys that, that sacrificed there, uh, you know, because I think we're all not, with that club for, for that long, if we're not having success. So, you know, I think there's a lot of ode to the Damian Martins and the Greg Hires and the Matty Knights and, and all those guys that put in that effort to, to help us be success. So to me, it's, uh, you know, it's an honoring them as well. Yeah, it, it absolutely is. I mean, it, it's a remarkable thing. And I, I reflect back on, I guess, my journey with you, and it started without you probably even knowing I, I existed when I first started covering NBL games back in, back in the 2005-2006 season. And, and I, w- I would come to Challenge Stadium for those games and, and the scoring machine was just an untouchable force by then. You were at your peak of your powers. You were you were putting up massive scoring numbers. You were the, the favourite son of the team and you, you were the superstar. You were the, you were the Bryce Cotton of that, of that team. There's no, no doubt about it. And it was a lot of fun to, to watch you play and, and play your craft and see you at your absolute prime. And then I guess it was fascinating to watch you transform yourself into more of a leader once Bevo came in that first season to win that championship in 2010. So no longer were you the absolute, I guess, number one focus on offense. And that helped the team win a championship because you were willing to to be more of that captain. And then, you know, going through the, the injury and the comeback to that, I obviously dealt with you pretty closely through that time. And, and you know, I was working at the club. And, to, I mean, to see your comeback on that night at the MVP ball is one of my... My highlights, just to, just to see you being able to walk back into the building and then to see you finish your career and now to still stay in touch with you, you know, beyond your career. We started the podcast together and doing other things together. I mean, it's been been a hell of a journey for 17 years since I've I first had an, had an experience with you. It's been a hell of a ride and been an honour to, to watch you play. And this is a capping moment for it because there's no greater greater deserving person to have their number up in the rafters than the, the number 42 and... And I guess every player always talks about how when they retire, they'll get to reflect on their career. And I guess this is a good chance for you to, you to do it. Yeah. I mean, it's, it kind of, uh, I guess kind of closes that, that chapter, um, even more. Um, you know, I was pretty lucky to, to, to walk off the NBL court winning my very last game, winning that championship and just knowing that it was, you know, it was, it was my time to, uh, to leave the game and then oh, obviously, I still remember probably five minutes later talking to you in the corridor as well, probably for your last interview as a, as a current player. Yeah, it was, you know, I, yeah, I couldn't have written a better script, right? Like, um, you know, I wasn't playing many minutes. We just happened. I think Matty Knight got injured. Um, and 
you know, I think Trev loves Jesse kind of coming off that bench, being the spark. So I got thrown into the starting lineup um, for that very last game as well. And, uh, you know, to, to take the court, be able to see Bryce Cotton be a part of it, watch him drop 45 in the grand final and then walk off champion. Uh, you know, I couldn't have written a better script. And then you, you add in getting uh, the jersey retired. So um, it was, yeah, I mean, it's, it's one of those things that uh, you, you don't even really think is, is even the realm of possibilities. It, it's kind of like when, um, you know, I, I made the Olympic team with the boomers. Like I came over here, that that's just so out of this world growing up in the U S to be able to make an Olympic team. Um, and then all of a sudden you're lining up with next to Patty Mills and, and you take it on team USA. So some of those things, like you just pinch yourself, like, you know, I was, at the age of 15, I was walking up and down the cornfields in Nebraska to tasseling, and here I am, uh, you know, playing professional basketball, playing against some of the best players in the world, and get get honored by, you know, the club in the NBL. Um, they're the pinnacle of, of what this league is about, is, uh, it, is, is truly special. So um, I, I don't know how else to say it, but it, it is a huge honor. If we reflect back on a couple of things, I mean, I I talked a bit, talked before about how you were that that's that superstar on the team for for, for probably a five year period before Bevo came, and then you had to take a back seat a little bit, not a back seat, but you had to change your role a little bit just to make sure you incorporated, you know, some of the new teammates un, under Bevo and play in that new system. Can you talk about how how much of a challenge for you that was to actually embrace that role, but then how rewarding it was when you won a championship, probably you know five or six months later. Oh look, I, it for me it wasn't it wasn't a, a tough tough thing, you know because I I just love to win. Mm. Um, so if if that was going to bring us a championship, looking back on my career now, when we won those championships, if I, if I'm the second or third option, it means we've got we've probably got a pretty good team. Yeah, um, and you know it just means that I can kind of ride the coattails a little bit. Uh, of other guys and it's uh you know can kind of play my role a little bit a little bit more and you know if i go back on my college career i, I was that kind of energy glue guy so it's not it wasn't something that hadn't done before in the past as well so you know i take pride in trying to fit into the role obviously you know some roles are probably more prevalent than than others but um but at the end of the day if you're walking up and off the court and you're, you're looking at the scoreboard and you're winning um, and you've had some impact on that, then, uh, you know, I think that's what, that's what you can ask for um, as a player and as a competitor and, um, you know, still want to strive and be the best player you can be. But, you know, I think there's so many gods that sacrifice and, and that's what I, I love about basketball is um, as well. There's so many roles that you can play to have an impact on a team to make them successful. I'm glad you mentioned how you were that glue guy, hustle guy in college because that's when you got your Charlie Hustle nickname and I've heard you talk about it a couple of times in the last couple of weeks and and it's a remarkable thing because we started this podcast and we were trying to come up with a name and you you reflected back on how you used to be called Charlie Hustle and we were trying to come up with a name and you thought, let's incorporate that somehow, let's call it Basketball Hustle and then Poop7 came on board and the rest was history. Yeah, it's... Uh... You know, I think there's, um, you know, a lot of pride. I think that, uh, you know, if you get given a nickname for, for your work ethic, 
I think to me that's uh, that's something to uh, to be proud of. So uh, yeah, we're trying to be trying to be clever. You never know how it's uh, gonna all play out, but um, you know, I'm proud of uh, of what I've been able to achieve throughout the career, and, and um, you know, played along some great teammates along the way as well. So I've learned a hell of a lot and uh, had a lot of fun with it as well. If your nickname's a scoring machine too, that that's a pretty good indication that you knew how to score the basketball too. So that's not a bad second nickname to have either. Yes, definitely. Um, you know, fought in that ditch. You know, they're not going to fly you over from America to, uh, especially at the at the uh, NBL one or you know what used to be SBL or um, Siebel level, um, unless you can put the ball in the hoop. So. Um, you know, it kind of gets you that inroad, and then it's your job to to make sure that you're, you know, you can play the role that the team needs. And I, you know, I kind of recognize that. If they look, if the team's successful, and I probably learned that with the Breakers, that you know, if the team's not successful, then no matter how good you are, if you're, if you're the import, you're probably going to be shipped out. You know, if not during the season, after the season, right? So winning was super important. It's always been important, but I just realized that how much like you got to do those, you know, the fine line at the NBL level. I mean, there's so many great players. There's a fine line between winning and losing. You got to find those little things to give your team that edge because, uh, you know, at the end of the season and you're sitting six and 20, well, you know, especially in the Wildcats or whatever it might be, uh, you're not going to be here very long. So, uh, yeah, it was probably a good lesson to learn when I, when I was with the Breakers and uh, try to make a most of it when I put that Wildcats uniform on. Yeah, if the Wildcats are ever six and twenty, I suggest no one associated with that team. Would be the next season, would they? <laughs> no, no, let's let's hope that never happens. <laughs> um, the injury is the other the other big thing, and I I mean you've told the story about what happened with the injury and and the fact that you then had to fly yourself back to back to Nashville, find the best surgeon in the world, and go through all of that. The remarkable thing for me was that only only a few months later you were able to to get back to Perth and not only be back in Perth and but actually when we all didn't know if you'd be able to ever walk properly again, you actually at MVP ball. I remember. Talking to Nick Marvin before, and we wanted to keep it a secret that you were going to going to be there. So we kept you hidden for most of the night, and then when the announcement was made later in the night, you walked up onto the stage to a a hero's welcome. It was one of one of the greatest moments I've you know been associated with just to just to see you able to to walk on stage. What did that What did that mean to you when you were able to 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 get back? Yeah, well, I mean, it was kind of that first step, um, and I guess literally and physically. Um, you know, I only had, I think, if I remember the timing right, it had only been a week or two prior that I was able to, I was given the all clear to start walking. Yeah. So, you know, I still remember the first time they, I was able to take the crutches and, and take my first step um, there in Lincoln, in Lincoln, Nebraska, the physio. And then, and then you, you know, fly across the not, other side of the world. And then fly, fly across the world. I, you know, at least I wasn't uh, in um in danger of dislocating my hip mm. as I was flying uh, across the world. But, um, and yeah, and then just to, to be able to uh, be back with the team and, and see the guys, you know, kind of gave me that, that motivation to, to keep it going and, and uh, you know, fight for everything to get back out on the court because uh, I definitely missed it. and It was hard watching from afar that that year. So, um, you know, we had a heck of a team as well. So you, you just never know. 
you know, had that injury not happened, where everything would have would have turned out there. You know, we're coming off the championship. We were having a heck of a year already. Um, so there's always those things that, that float through your mind. But, you know, I'm proud that, that I was able to, to get back and, and play play at that NBL level again, which uh, definitely wasn't a uh, realm of possibilities that, that most uh, surgeons would have uh, would have recommended. Yeah, I mean, the re- remarkable thing was you still won the – you shared the MVP that, that season still with, with, with Kevin Lish, and that, that just shows that you were having a hell of a season before you, you went down as well. I mean, the other things that stand out to me were the very first day of preseason for the next season, you were the first person there in the building. I mean, it's a remarkable thing. You were the first person on court, and then I still remember the first preseason game. I think it was at Lakeside from memory, and you come out, hit the first shot of the game, and – and it just looked like you hadn't missed a step. It was just a remarkable thing. How were you able to do it? How were you able to, to make it make it back? Look, I I don't know. I, you know, I think I had an incredible surgeon. I put a lot of time and effort into it. You know, my the initial expectation was 12, 13 months, mm. uh, you know, talking to some other athletes that, uh, you know, I've spoken to a cyclist and it took him 12, 13 months to come back from it. You know, so here I am trying to do a lot more, you know, cyclists, you're, you're just riding straight lines, right? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, to be able to change direction, jump and pivot and all these things, um, you know, but it just progressed um, extremely quickly. I mean, it was a long time and, and you know, it took seven months before I, I played again, but, uh, you know, that was probably less than half of, of what we thought initially. So, um, you know, to get back and play that first and then have that first game in, back in Adelaide, right. Mm. To where, where the injury happened. That was, uh, that was, that was a night I'll, I'll, I'll never forget as well. And then that whole season just had so many remarkable things. I'll, I'll never forget your block on CJ Bruden to send the grand final series into a third game. I'm sure you never will either. And then the fact that you're able to play so much, so much more basketball and, and, you know, put together the career you did with 380 plus games and then still um, finish off playing SBL basketball and winning another championship at the Redbacks and then playing at the Hawks and, and still playing at a really high level. And, not, and to be fair, I reckon you might still be playing if it wasn't for COVID as well. It was only probably COVID that forced you to, to stop. I mean, do you sometimes pinch yourself that you, you got almost another decade of playing basketball out of yourself when you were told it just wouldn't, wouldn't have been possible? Yeah, yeah, no, I mean, I was, I was, I was extremely fortunate to, to keep playing until, what, it was 36 when we tried, tired with the Wildcats, so, um, uh, you know, I look back on, on everything, I don't have any regrets, and I think that was one of the things that I, I said when I started my career was make the most of it, you know, I was probably 12 months away, maybe, from going back to the U.S., maybe even after Bendigo. I don't know if I had got that opportunity to come over and try out with the Wildcats if, uh, if I would have kept playing. Um, you know, I always went to college to get my degree and, and kind of expected to be able to to go into to use that. Mm. Uh, but, you know, I wanted to give professional basketball a try and give it a crack because it always been a dream of mine, and I was able to, to make the most of it. But, yeah, you just it's, it's funny how those things kind of work out over time. I'm thankful I, I got that phone call from Scott Fisher to come over here and play. And then, you know, I, I, I don't think I'll ever leave Perth. I, I mean, I love it here. And uh, to be able to be a part of the community, still still be involved in basketball in some way and, and uh, you know, get to go. You know, I went to the last game. I'm sitting up there next to Mike Ellis. And uh, 
you know, the retired guys are up there analyzing the game. I think that's a lot of fun to be able to uh, still, still, you know, be a part of it and just see the, the passion that the crowd and, and everyone has for, for the Wildcats. And, uh, you know, expect to, uh, you know, look forward to, uh, to being a part of it uh, in a small way uh, going future, whether it just be in the crowd, uh, you know, watching and cheering them on because, uh, you know, it's you know, a lot of pride um, with those guys wearing that Wildcats jersey out there. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, there's so much about your journey we, to talk about. We could we could spend hours talking about it, Sean. What it tells me is that you've got a life story that probably should be turned into a book one day. Have you ever thought about it? Yes, we've had that conversation. <laughs> I think, uh, you know, I think it's uh, part of the time and, and everything to put it down. But, uh, it, it, you know, it's been a heck of a journey. And, uh, you know, if we were able to put it into the book, hopefully someone out there can uh, get some inspiration from it uh, and help them on their, their journey, whether it be in basketball life um, or just, just know more about uh, how uh, how I ended up from the cornfields of Nebraska uh, all the way over to the beaches of Perth. Let's make sure we make it happen, Sean. What do you think? Sounds good. <laughs> Looking forward to a party. Um, all right. A couple of things before I, I wrap things up, Sean. Um, your post-basketball career, I always... I think you always felt like you would naturally be involved in maybe financial planning or something along those lines. And that's where you did a lot of your, your study. There was a season there where you even did some work while you were still, still playing in that field. Um, you've gone a different path and you've been able to turn Redditch basketball into one of the, the finest, um, I guess, basketball academies or training. I'm not sure what you call it. Training, training programs in, in the country. It's turned into a great success. I mean, how happy are you that you've been able to, maintain a full-time life in basketball even after playing yeah i mean it's, 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 that transition can be hard um and i've been fortunate uh you know i saw an opportunity uh started at my local primary school and uh wimbley downs primary school actually just last week i, I took uh took their the boys team there they played in a uh the champions cup they call it so all the best primary schools come together playing a tournament and they ended up winning winning the, uh, the championship. So you just kind of see, you know, what five years ago I started Reddish basketball. We started at Wimbledon Downs primary school with mm-hmm. one school and just to see where it's grown. But you see the impact, right? The, the kids, when they're years one and two, they got a ball in their hand. Um, and now when they're years five and six, um, that, that group goes on and, uh, you know, wins, wins the championship being, so you just kind of see the impact that you can have on these, these communities and, you know, and sports, such, such an important part of my life growing up. And, uh, you know, hopefully we can provide even more opportunities there for, for kids. And, you know, obviously I, I love basketball. I think it's an incredible game. So, um, to get more kids playing, it's, uh, it, it's awesome to see, you know, you, you rock up down at Wimbley Downs primary school, you got 50 kids all with the basketball in their hands, running around, enjoying the game. You just never know where that's going to take them. And, um, you know, see a smile on their face. What a great way to start the day, Rod. Get up, go play basketball, then then go 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 to school, and then have an impact. Uh, you know, I've been lucky to be involved with the Perry Lakes Hawks and, and running a lot of their Wobble Kids um, skills programs and coaching a Wobble team. So I'm loving that junior basketball side of it. And it's, uh, you know, it, it's something I wake up, I, I get excited every day, mm. uh, something new, and you just see the impact that you can have on, on the kids' lives. So um, having a lot of fun with it. Got a great group of coaches with me now. I think, you know, got over 30 coaches mm. that, that help us, you know, grow this game. So, it, 
you know, it's just seeing, you know, basketball's exploding all over the world, but definitely here in WA, it's, uh, there's some big things on the horizon, I think. Speaking of those coaches, Cody always is wondering, Sean, why you never got a callback after being one of your early coaches? Uh, I believe Cody, uh, started working full time. So, uh, he couldn't, couldn't fit me in. So I think that was mainly that's, that. <laughs> That's it. I think there's a few tech taking you coach this session off. Sorry, I'm working. So I think there's just a natural progression there. Uh, but hey, if he if he ever wants to do some coaching, uh, just uh, definitely get in contact with me. I'm always in need. Okay, I'll I'll let him I'll let him know. It's a lot of fun with him now stepping into your shoes as co-host of the the podcast each week as well. Couple more things, just very quickly, Sean. Damien Martin, um, I want to get your thoughts on him because. He speaks incredibly highly of you, but how much do you think that is because of the fact that the things that he's taken off you over the years? So he took the captaincy off you with the Wildcats. He ended up winning more championships with you with the Wildcats. He ended up being the replacement here on on the podcast as co-host when we started the third season. And now, after making it look like he was happy to share the commentary duties on the NBL games with you, he's now taken that role off you as well. Um how do you how do you maintain your patience with him, and how do you maintain a happy face when when you see him? Well, well, I just look at the four championship rings that he helped me to win, so <laughs> I don't. Uh, it doesn't matter to me. No, uh, you know he does a great job with all those. You know, I think he's probably one of the best captains that not only in the sport of basketball but in entire sporting that we we've ever seen here in Australia. You know, and I've probably only been in Australia for what, 17 years now, but, uh, you know, he, he, he's an incredible leader, does some great things in the community, and, uh, you know, he's, he, he's great at doing the, the commentary as well. So, uh, you know, if there's one person that's going to knock me off, uh, I'm happy for it to be Damo, and, you know, how can you uh, get mad at a guy with a smile like that? <laughs> um, would you expect the number 53 to be the next one up after 42? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. I think that's a, to me, that's a no brainer as well. I mean, you just, you just hear the roar of the crowd anytime they said Damian Martin 53, mm-hmm. uh, you know, he's a big reason for, for the success and, and the culture that, you know, kind of got built and sustained throughout the years, you know, so I think uh, that, that, that'll happen and, uh, you know, I'll be uh, looking forward to, to being there on that night when it does. So, uh, you know, I think he's, he's definitely deserving. Um, and the impact he's had. I mean, he's just a unique player. I don't think we've ever seen a player like him that has an impact on the game and doesn't have to score, right? He, you know, whether it be his leadership, defense, his hustle, um, it's just knowledge of the game, right? Mm. Is Bryce Cott needs a shot. I'm going to get Bryce Cott the shot. I need to get Matty Knight a post-up touch. Um, just those things that probably not everyone saw behind the scenes, but, you know, just a super smart player as well outside of just a great guy. And, you know, I, the guy could run. I, I, you know, he would get tired, and then <laughs> two seconds later he'd be full of energy again. It was it was remarkable. Um, last thing, I mean, I don't think you would have achieved what you have achieved or enjoyed it as much as you, as you have if you didn't have – your wife Gretchen and your kids Haley and Dylan by your side. I mean, how special is it to have been able to share this whole journey with, with them by your side? Yeah, it's been it's been very cool. I think uh, you know having kids when I was young as well. So they were got to be there when I retired and, and got to see and, and remember uh, you know 
their dad playing basketball, which I think is pretty special as a as a dad. And then uh, you know they were there in the office um, when I got told that the jersey was retired. So you know there's been a huge support throughout my time. And you know Gretchen and I started this journey uh, back in 2004. We you know first time I think Gretchen had ever left Australia mm-hmm. or sorry US. Yeah. Um, she got her first passport. And, uh, and now here we are Australian citizens and, and living over here. So it's, it's been a remarkable journey. Um, it's been awesome to share with them. And, uh, you know, I look forward to, to making some more memories uh, in, in the future as well. But, yeah, it's been awesome to be able, you know, be able to walk off the court my last game, give Gretchen a hug, and uh, celebrate, you know, what, what's been uh, uh, an awesome journey so far is was, was a pretty cool moment yeah absolutely all right thanks sean it's been a lot of fun catching up with you again and it couldn't be more deserving to have your number number retired it's been a long time coming and i'm, I'm very happy for you and, and and proud of you more than anything as somebody that's known you for as long as as long as i have um i'll just sign off and and get your thoughts on how much you're looking forward to the ceremony on, on your birthday. I remember we celebrated your 40th birthday only a couple of years ago when we did the did a podcast episode around around that day. And now it's going to be a pretty special next birthday in in January next year, isn't it? Yeah, definitely. I think you know, they topped it well. Um, you know, the the January 20th is a game, and then 21st I turned uh, turned 42. Mm-hmm. So. Uh, going to be a memorable couple of days for sure that's uh looking looking forward to it now looking forward to it as well and thanks for sharing all of your all of your journey sean it's been a, been a lot of fun thanks buddy.